Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, Cavs Nation? I'm your host, Ethan Sands, and this is another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm joined by your favorite beat reporter, Chris Fedor. What up, Chris? What's going on, Ethan? How are you, man? I'm doing well. Chris, the Cavs have leaned on the pick and roll heavily this season, ranking second in frequency and eighth in field goal percentage off the pick and roll. Do you think the pick and roll is overused by the Cavs and they should use more motion offense plays to create openings for their ball handlers rather than just isolation tactics? Is it overused? I guess a little bit, Ethan. But here's the thing that I keep saying. You have to build something that you think is going to be successful based on the personnel that you have. You have to adapt based on the personnel that you have. A couple years ago, J.B. Bickerstaff wasn't planning to go into a season with Lowry Markinen starting at the small forward spot. (laughs) But his personnel kind of like led him down that path. And he said, hey, I got to find minutes for all these talented bigs that I have on this roster. One way for me to sneakily do that is to make Lowry Markinen a three instead of a four slash five. More minutes for Jarrett, more minutes for Evan, more minutes for Kevin Love at the time, more minutes for Lowry Markinen four of the top eight players in my rotation. And it works, okay? When it comes to the Cavs, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell are two of the premier pick-and-roll players in the entire NBA. Like, think about what Donovan did with Ruby Gobert in Utah. Think about what Darius has done throughout the course of his career, even going back to college. He only played four full games, but he had, like, the highest pick-and-roll efficiency of any player in the history of college basketball. It would have tailed off if he would have played more games, of course, but it showed you the kind of ability that he was going to have as a pick-and-roll player. It would be like telling Atlanta, hey, don't run the pick-and-roll when you have Trey Young and Clint Capella. Hey, back in the day with Houston and James Harden and Clint Capella, hey, don't run the pick-and-roll, run something else. It's like, are you stupid? Like, when you have the personnel to be an elite pick-and-roll team, use it. Take advantage of it. I'm going to tell the Bucks that you called them stupid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, I'm telling Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo that you called them stupid. <laughs> if they get to a point where they start using the Dame Giannis pick and roll more and more, like, good luck trying to stop that team. And I bet they unleash that and they use that as their go-to pet set in a seven-game series against whoever they're playing against. But, like, 
the point is when your personnel allows you to be an elite team at something, you become the elite team at that something. In saying that, do I think the Cavs can diversify the offense? Sure. Is it more important what happens in the secondary actions and away from the pick and roll to vary how you attack the defense via the pick and roll? Sure. Do the Cavs need to continue to use some DHO stuff with Max Struess, Evan Mobley, Max Struess, Jared Allen? Do they need to continue to use pin downs with Struess and sometimes even with Sam Merrill? Yes. But like the base of this offense is going to continue to be and needs to be the pick and roll because they have elite players when it comes to, to to running that kind of offense. For sure. And we talk about the pick and roll and we know that Jared Allen is elite in that and Evan Mobley has been growing in that area. But somebody who's also been known for the pick and roll has been Tristan Thompson with Evan Mobley out. How have you seen him step up in that role and also just in general with his added minutes on the court? And I think that's the other point to make too, Ethan, when it comes to the pick and roll. It's not like the Cavs are running the same pick and roll over and over and over again. It's just like a high pick and roll and everybody in the NBA can predict what the Cavs are going to do off of that pick and roll. They're creating motion. They're creating a little bit of chaos away from the ball too. Like there was a moment against Orlando in their game recently where Darius was going to use a high pick and roll with Tristan, right? But instead of that, Tristan faked the pick and roll motion with Darius and went and set a pin down screen for Max Struess. And Darius came the other way. Max Struess came around that screen and he banged a three. And the same thing happened with Sam Merrill as well. So the thing that I would say to fans is just because it looks like the Cavs are setting a whole bunch of screens and running a whole bunch of pick and roll, look at what's happening around those guys and look at how they're utilizing the pick and roll. And it's just not as predictable for an opposing defense when it comes to slowing that down. In terms of Tristan, he's been so good. He's relentless. He brings energy. He brings toughness. He's getting double-doubles out there. He has shown that he can still theoretically be a lob threat on those pick and rolls. He can still catch the ball in the pocket and make some plays from time to time. He can get offensive rebounds and get the Cavs second chance opportunities. So look, this was a guy who at the time that he was signed, Ethan, I think people around the NBA were like, okay, I get it. Tristan was signed because he's got veteran experience, because he's a true pro, because he has been through a lot of things throughout the course of his NBA career, and he can kind of pay it forward for the young guys. But like, is he really going to play for the Cavs this year? Is he really going to get minutes for the Cavs this year? And I understand why people looked at the signing that kind of way. I think there are people inside the organization that were wondering, hey, how much does Tristan have left? How much of a difference can he make on the court versus off the court? And he has shown that he still has something to give. He's not a 20, 25 minute a night player. And that's fine. He doesn't have to be at this point in time in his career. But the minutes that he's giving the Cavs, Ethan, for the most part, they have been quality minutes. And the difference with Tristan is, like, he understands his role. He's been through everything throughout the course of his career. So if there's a night where he doesn't play, like, he's going to be the biggest cheerleader. He's going to continue to be engaged. He's going to give these guys advice from the sidelines. 
he's not going to complain about his role because he understands where he is at this point in his career. And if his number gets called, he's going to be ready. If his number doesn't get called, he's still going to be ready for whenever that time comes. And that's the thing that I wanted to bring up with Tristan. That's my favorite part because we talk about the joy of basketball all the time. There is nobody on the Cavs bench that is more active, whether playing or not, than Tristan Thompson. Talking about like when somebody would hit a three. I remember watching this at one of the home games recently. When somebody would hit a three, he would do a little two-hand point at Craig Porter Jr. And Craig would give him a shrug. He said, well, that's how we roll. And that's exactly what kind of energy they needed. And also, like, what was the thing that LeBron used to say? A washed king? Like, 32 years old. I didn't think he was 32 years old when he came into the season. But, like, knowing that, it was like, oh, wow. He's got a veteran role, obviously. But, like, what's he going to bring? And you don't see a lot of 32-year-olds getting up and screaming like that anymore. But I really do think Tristan brings a lot even when he's not playing, because you need somebody like we talked about Isaac Okoro being the energy guy. Tristan Thompson has also adapted into that role as well. That's just somebody that you need on each team. Role delineation is very, very important on a team with playoff aspirations and even more than that. And like, it seems like a lot of these guys on the roster have an understanding of how they can best impact the team, not how they can best impact themselves, but how they can best impact the team. And Tristan is smart enough to understand how he can best impact this team. And he's not going to go outside of himself right? He's not going to try and do funky things on the offensive end or the defensive end. He's not going to go rogue. He's going to play within the system. He doesn't need touches to be effective. He doesn't need shot attempts to be effective. And when you have so many ball dominant players like Darius, like Donovan, like Karis LeVert, even like Evan Mobley, when he gets the amount of touches throughout the course of a game, there aren't going to be as many touches for other guys. There aren't going to be as many shots for other guys. And Tristan can just like fill in the gaps and do the little things while those other guys do what makes them special. Hey man, I've been seeing Tristan get those funky little hook shots up in pregame warmups and, and during practice. And I saw him make a couple of those last night against the Celtics. I was like, Oh boy, don't let Tristan get going. You might get a heat check in there <laughs> from, from five feet. Anyway. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go too far because when we come back, we're going to talk about what the Cavs need to do to fix the offense. But before then, become a Cavs insider and interact with myself and Chris by subscribing to Subtext. Chris, can you give a little insight as to what you give on Subtext? Sure, I can do that. The thing that I usually give to people, Ethan, is like my feel on an injury situation before the injury report comes out. I know everybody wants to know, is a guy going to be in? Is he going to be out? But because I've been around the team as long as I have, because I see things behind the scenes that not everybody gets to see, I can give a general idea hours beforehand of what I think is going to be the case or what I'm hearing in terms of optimism or pessimism. So, for example, you know, I gave running updates basically on the Karis Levert situation. And the other day, following their practice in Orlando on one of the days off, I saw Karis going through two-on-two -two and three-on-three -three stuff on the court as soon as practice ended. And usually that is a positive sign of a player progressing. 
And usually that's like one of the final steps before a guy actually gets cleared to play in a game. And what happened after he did that? He played against the Boston Celtics. So it's like those kinds of things that you're getting a feel for, those kinds of things that you're learning about this team that I don't necessarily put into a Twitter post, that I don't necessarily put onto the website until I actually talk about the player either being out or coming back. But subtext is a place where you get that background information before it gets released. And right about now, you'll be getting updates on Evan Mobley and his injury. But to get those, sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word STOP. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from myself and Chris. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. So the Cavs currently have a negative overall net rating of negative (laughs) 0.1 with the 24th ranked offensive rating in the league and the 21st ranked true shooting percentage out of 30 teams in the NBA. Chris, what would you equate the offensive struggles to? Oh, I think there are a lot of things, Ethan. Honestly, I don't think you can tell the story of this season without speaking about what has been missing at the beginning of the year. I was talking with somebody in Boston last night about this. The Cavs have gone extended stretches of missing some of their most important players. It's not like the guys that have been injured or appearing on the injury report are like guy number 11, 12, and 13 on the roster. So it's hard to get a true gauge of of what this team is capable of because they just haven't been together very long. I overheard President of Basketball Operations Kobe Altman talking about this with another executive on the court before the game. And that executive was talking about just how fortunate his team has been to not have any health issues in terms of building some cohesiveness, in terms of answering some questions that they had coming into this year, in terms of evaluating the roster and seeing what it truly looks like. Kobe Altman, Mike Ganzi, Brandon Weems, all the guys in the front office just haven't had that same ability. So it's not making excuses for them. It explains part of why they've struggled the way that they have. They've played stretches without Darius Garland. They've played stretches without Donovan Mitchell. They've played stretches without Karis LeVert. Now Evan Mobley, Jared Allen before that. And all of that contributes to what we've seen from them on the offensive end in terms of a lack of rhythm, in terms of a lack of continuity, in terms of not necessarily knowing where to go and when. If you think about the Cavs in crunch time situations versus other teams in crunch time situations, it's been very, very different. The Cavs are still trying to figure that out. Where do they go? What set do they run? How can they best get a basket? Boston knows all of that, right? Milwaukee 
Milwaukee knows all of that. The Cavs are still trying to learn that. They're still trying to grow through that. Also, like their guys just haven't performed to the level that the Cavs were hoping that they would. Darius hasn't been as prolific of a three-point shooter. Donovan Mitchell, same thing. He's been up and down in terms of his production. Darius Garland's been up and down in terms of his production. George Niang is shooting a little bit below his career numbers from three-point range. The quality of shot that the Cavs are getting, I feel like, could be better. The lapses throughout the course of the game where they get stagnant offensively and the ball stops moving. So it's a long list, but when you combine that all together, you get an offense that is performing like it's the Washington Wizards, which is just not acceptable given the talent that the Cavs have. And you mentioned three-point shooting, so I'm going to get into it. Max Drew said after the first game in Boston that the Cavs need to shoot more threes. I want to get your idea of do you agree with this or disagree with this, but I'm going to stat you down first. In the Cavs' 13 wins this season, they have averaged 32 three-point attempts per game while shooting 36% from beyond the arc and 49% overall from the field. A more telling statistic comes from the first five games of December, where Cleveland has begun to put Struess's suggestion into action. Over this span, the Cavs have increased their three-point attempts to an average of 37 per game, but slightly lowered their shooting percentage to 35%. They're 3-2 in December. This small sample size, to me, indicates that when the Cavs put up more shots from downtown, they have a better chance of winning games, even if the shooting percentage slightly dips. But I also think that it's game-dependent. If Max or George or Donovan or Darius are hot from beyond the arc, then you shoot a high volume of shots because the percentage is also going to be there. But if the shots aren't falling, then the team needs to find other ways to score, whether in the mid-range or in the paint. As the saying goes, quality over quantity, because the quality will also increase the quantity in this case. Do you agree with Max Struess saying that the Cavs should be shooting more three-point attempts? I do. I have thought this since the season started, because I'm a big proponent, Ethan, on volume-creating gravity. And to me, it's not as much about shooting percentages. It's about, are you willing to take them within the flow of the offense? And if you start taking them within the flow of the offense and the defense starts making adjustments to that, it can open up other things for you on the offensive end. And it doesn't mean all of a sudden cross half court and jack a three. That's not what we're talking about here. But driving kicks... Collapse the defense on the penetration, kick it out to Niang, kick it out to Struess, kick it out to whoever it is out there on the perimeter. Create some movement away from the ball after doing some high pick and roll stuff. So yeah, I mean, I think the Cavs have enough quality shooting threats that they can be more of a high volume shooting three team. Like, why wouldn't Darius Garland take eight, nine, ten threes in a game? He should be able to. He can create quality enough looks for himself. And that level of volume can create other opportunities for other teammates. Donovan Mitchell, same thing. Max Struess, same thing. George Niang, same thing. Like, there are enough competent three-point shooters on this team. And that was what the Cavs went out this offseason looking to add, looking to boost. So I'm good with the Cavs trying to hoist more. The other reason why I'm good with that is because, Ethan, they don't have traditional bigs where it's just like, okay, we need a bucket here. We're just going to dump the ball inside to Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and say, go to work, big fella. That's not how this team has been built. 
that's not the comfort zone of both Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And I think because of that, it's not like the Cavs are missing out on other quality looks or other quality offense by operating, if they were to operate this way, operating by looking for more three-pointers throughout the course of the game. Yeah, and I think... We can't go with talking about three-point shooting and then leave out Sam Merrill because I feel like if there's anybody outside of Max Struess who feels comfortable shooting three balls whenever he touches the ball, it's Sam Merrill because anytime he'll come around the screen, he'll get the ball not as open as he might should be when he's shooting them, but it feels like he understands he has the green light because that's what he's here to do is to shoot the ball because he's not going to drive and get into the lane and score in the interior. He is a shooter. So Sam Merrill is definitely the most confident three-point shooter on the Cavs to me outside of Max Struess, just because of how that boy let it fly, regardless of the situation. But think about the way that that can open up an offense for this. Yeah, I think it's a great thing. Um, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a different level of attention that he commands from opposing defenses. It's a different level of threat that he brings that somebody like Isaac Okoro still at this stage of his career doesn't. Somebody like Karis Levert doesn't on the three-point line. You know what I mean? So it's like every time Sam Merrill goes anywhere, the defense has to have their antennas raised because if they give him a sliver of space, if they have a defensive breakdown, if they don't follow him around those screens, then that thing's going up. And that boy can shoot up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Literally, Sam Merrill and Max Struess are the only two players that are shooting at a higher percentage this year than they are on the career percentage. He's shooting 41% from three. (laughs) (laughs) Homeboy got a strap. He can just go let it fly. So that, I love it. I love that first sale. Sam Merrill is getting about three attempts per game. And that level of volume just changes how a defense has to look at that particular scouting report. I mean, I'm not trying to go overboard here. I'm not going to go overboard here. But it was weird to me at the beginning of the season that when the Cavs weren't shooting as well from three-point range and their offense wasn't clicking the way that they were hoping to coming into this year, that JB didn't try and unleash that kind of weapon a little bit sooner. Well, that's a conversation for another day. And at this point, we're going to wrap up today's episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. But remember to become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and myself by subscribing to Subtext. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word STOP. It's easy. But we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs for myself and Chris. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. Y'all be safe. We out.